0: Uh, So I'm speaking with composer Anton Sanko, whose uh, versatility has led him to compose fantastic scores to films like Rabbit Hole, uh, Saving Face, uh, The Possession, and even TV series like uh, Big Love. His latest score is the film uh, Ring of Fire, which follows June Carter's story in her relationship with Johnny Cash, uh, airs on Lifetime. Uh, Thanks so much for uh, speaking today. It's great to chat again.
1: Well, thanks, Kaya. It's great to hear from you.
0: Uh, so we've talked before, and we covered a lot about your background in our last interview, so I guess we could, let's just uh, uh, jump into Ring of Fire. Uh, so what drew you to this project, and what was appealing to you uh, as a composer?
1: Well, I guess the first thing that drew me to the project was, the, I was just meeting Allison, the director, was uh, just such a wonderful, inspirational uh, person uh she's so warm and and uh and, and supportive that I just uh, w- really wanted to do this job of course I'm a tremendous fan of the June Carter and the Johnny Cash uh I love I you know I know a little bit about the June Carter's background and I knew about the Carter family and uh that insp- was interesting to me too but I also wanted the opportunity because I hadn't in a long time to work within this instrumentation uh so that was something I was looking forward to. Mm
0: -hmm. And uh, so, you know, June and and Johnny, they're two iconic musicians. Uh, How does a composer find the right sound uh, for two people whose music is, you know, iconic and known to the world? What did you draw on for inspiration?
1: Well, I tried to, you know, constrain myself to instrumentation and harmonic information that was that would be reflective of the time and place of the film. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And also, uh, you know, part of the world that they lived in. So I uh, stayed within a pretty simple harmonic palette and uh, worked with, you know, acoustic instruments only, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, mountain dulcimers, fiddles, acoustic guitars, mandolins. And I, uh, you know, obviously, just like any other film, I'm trying to write uh, the, the story that is not told on the screen. You know so i'm i'm uh, or or supporting the story that is there but needs help, so it's all about the storytelling and less about uh, anything else for me um, so finding themes for them for anything from their love you know theme to Johnny's slide into addiction was of paramount importance to me
0: and uh what what aspect of the entire film really kind of uh, spoke to you the most uh, was it? You know the actors' performances. Was it the the actual setting and the time of the film or the subject matter? What really uh, pushed your score?
1: Well, I got to say, Jules' performance, as you mentioned, was was really amazing, and uh, I felt like I had to at least live up to that. If <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thought she did such a fantastic job. Um, but also, there was the challenge of of being somewhat historically accurate. Right. Uh, it wasn't something that was foremost in my mind but I did try to make the arc uh, the music uh have an arc that went along with the period so it's the earlier cues are very you know old-timey for lack of a better word sounding and as it gets more and more uh deep into the film and you know closer to the present and you know and then we're dealing with much more complicated subject matter the 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 music follows that arc as well I I hope <laughs>
0: And uh, well, you're, you're no stranger to, to TV movies and kind of that little subgenre. Uh, does writing a score that is ultimately going to premiere on television first uh, change your approach at all? Do the filmmakers factor in commercial breaks? Does that affect your spotting, you know, or does it n- not affect you at all?
1: Right. They do talk about, I mean, I try to ignore that. I mean, a, a lot of times they try to push for a bump into a commercial and a bump out of a commercial. Right. And, and I think that just is, is trite sounding. And, the, you know, it usually end up with these little tiny cues that are four bars long. And I think that sounds very television and not very, you know, uh, I don't know how to say, not very uh, uh, supportive. It's not useful except, mm-hmm. for, except for to get the people back into their seats. Uh, right. so, but it doesn't have anything to do with the art of the particular project. So I try to uh, push against that whenever possible.
0: Because it, I mean, it it it's gonna have its life pretty much on DVD and home video, so people will be experiencing it as one as a as a film would be. So yeah,
1: that's what I I, I try. That's my argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um. So now this film is told from June Carter's point of view. Um. But I'm sure people are going to compare it to uh, Walk the Line. Did did you watch that film to see what direction they went in musically, or just you know say, okay, I know what not to do. That's what they did. Or did you clear yourself from outside influences like that
1: um i saw that film when it came out and then i forgot what it. What i don't even know was there a score in it i don't even remember i don't
0: actually i don't think so i think uh I, t yeah. Burnett may have done something but i'm not
1: sure yeah i don't think there is even a score in that one so i was i was in the clear okay that's good <laughs>
0: um and now you you do have some thrillers that are uh, that you're scoring coming up uh where the devil hides and uh jezebel um right. You did a great score for *The Possession* last year. Uh, as a compo- Thank you. as a composer, when you score multiple films in kind of a similar genre, is it challenging not to fall into genre archetypes? You know, how do you keep the music fresh, different, and engaging from you know one film
1: to the another? That's a great question. They all they all have their challenges, and uh, I try to um, find a way into it that's interesting for me, <laughs> and hopefully. Uh, uh, in that regard, uh, things will not get repetitive. Uh, the, the you know those you know, I mean the possession, where the devil hides, and Jezebel on the surface could all look you know sort of similar, but I think I approach them all very differently. Uh, possession was a big orchestral, almost 70s type score right, that I want right. that I wanted to do. Um, where the devil hides takes place in a kind of uh, an imaginary community, for lack of a better word, that's not dissimilar to um, Amish community. Uh, you know, so all the guys have those black hats and their shirts are buttoned up to the top and they wear vests and, uh, the women wear bonnets and everything. So I thought it would be really interesting if we could create a score for this that existed, uh, was created only with the instrumentation, uh, the instruments that might be found on their compound. So, uh, that was my, my pitch for the job. And I, I ended up, I'm almost finished with it, but I ended up making the majority of the score. I, I had a big, sampling recording session here at my place with, you know, I have a lot of weird stringed instruments that I've collected over the years and, uh, you know, we just bowed them and, and and did all these crazy performances on them and, you know, like uh, I have chimbalams, dulcimers, auto harps, all this, a lot, you know, similar stuff to the June Carter Cash uh, uh, vernacular but used in a completely different way. So, so that's how I did that one. Um, and uh, the uh, Jezebel takes place uh, in the South and has a very um, kind of uh, voodoo element to it. So there's a lot of uh, in, in, in my way into that was a combination of using uh, that sort of percussion but also a lot of vocals performed by my dear friend uh, Susan Dahim, who's an amazing vocalist.
0: Oh yeah, I interviewed her, she's great.
1: Yeah, she's a, we've been friends for, I don't know, wow. Almost thirty years, mm-hmm. anyway. So uh, she came in and, and and did a bunch of improvisations and 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 performances uh, over several of the scenes that became the the core of that movie. And man, did that make a tremendous impact. It was really fun. I love working with her. We have a great time together.
0: Oh, I can't even. I, that's great. That's. I can't wait to hear it then.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty crazy sounding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, when you're encountering the films, do you and you see certain. Kind of uh, archetypes that the filmmakers use—not necessarily uh, score kind of archetypes, but like you know, jump scares and stuff like that. Do you try to find new ways to to redo those things to you know scare the audience that you know when they're expecting it, you know, the drop in sound and then a scare comes? How do you? How do you? That
1: that is an incredible challenge. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, that's something that. (laughs) I'm always working on trying to make it better or at uh-huh. least different. I mean, you kind of it's I don't want to repeat myself. I don't even want to repeat myself in the same film. Yeah. Much <laughs> less from film to film. So it's a I you know, I'm just always looking for different ways to achieve that uh, moment. But you're right. It's a it's a it's definitely a challenge.
0: <laughs> well, um Anton, thank you so much uh, for your time. It was great to to catch up and touch on your current projects. Um, And uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, man, I, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.